so great to have Mark Long with us this morning. Uh, Mark and his wife Leah serve over in West Africa. They're one of our very own sent ones right out of Appleton Alliance Church. You might know them because they served on staff before they went to Africa. And it's so good to have uh, Mark with us. Uh, we look forward to hearing what he has to say to us this morning. Good morning, Appleton Alliance. It's good to be with you, with you. Uh, we were so looking forward to being up there and, and seeing you in person and, yeah, hugs and, and face-to-face conversation. But, you know, in this time, uh, we got to just roll with the punches. Um, so we're coming to you this morning from Crown College, uh, where we are doing the international worker in residence role. Instead of, you know, we're home on our home assignment, we, we normally would be traveling and speaking in different churches. Uh, But this year, we've got a special assignment here at the college, uh, teaching some classes, pouring into the lives of students, and hopefully the future generation of people who will be going overseas. Uh, I just want to encourage you as a church, just a little side note on this whole pandemic thing. I know this is difficult. I know it's challenging and it's grinding on for a long period of time. Uh, But one lesson that we learned overseas, because our family has been through so many things. We've been through a coup and political instability. We've been through the Ebola pandemic in West Africa. And you learn after a time that these things come and they go. And I just want to encourage you briefly this morning that this pandemic, this will pass. You will get through this. And so I just want to encourage you, even before we get going, to persevere. Uh, Persevere in the work you're doing and persevere in your relationship with God. Because I really believe that God wants to use this time. This time isn't a mistake. Um, It's not outside of his plan. And if we lean into our relationship with him, uh, I believe he's gonna do something in each one of our lives. So that's just a little encouragement because I know these things, they're strange here. They, They don't happen all the time. But when you live overseas, you realize disruption comes and major events like this happen Uh, all the time, all over the world. And so just a lesson from the field, uh, a lesson from Christians in those countries, uh, persevere, keep pressing into your relationship with God and you will get through that, through this. So as I mentioned, we are on our home assignment. Uh, We were in Appleton last time in 2016 and then we went back to the field in 2017. And just a little um, disclaimer this morning, uh, because of the, the fact that this message is going to be online and because of the security situation where we work, I'm not going to be mentioning country names and places. Uh, I'm not going to be mentioning names of places and people that we work with. Um, and so that's intentional, that it will be a little bit vague, but that's also just for security's sake. And so when, yeah, we were going back in 2017 to the country that we had been working in. Uh, Many of you know that the security situation had just been going down and down and down. And when we got back, our whole team realized that even more had changed and we couldn't continue to work in that country. So our family uh, moved to the next country over uh, and we're doing very much the same kind of work. Our country is 90 to 92% Muslim. uh, So I'm doing church planting and evangelism work among the unreached there. And Leah is working in 
uh, health, community health and health development. A big thing she's been doing this, uh, this term has been actually getting a master's degree. So she'll get a master's degree in midwifery. That's something that you have helped out with uh, as a church. So thank you for that. And she'll be equipped because the country we work in now is a little more developed. They're a little more ahead. And they're looking for people with more qualifications. So the exciting thing is when we go back uh, this time next year, Leah will actually have uh, more qualifications and, and with that, the credentials and the credibility that she needs and a little side project that we've been working on. Uh, it's kind of been on the back burner because we're working with national health workers, uh, doctors and nurses in our country who have a vision to start a Christian nursing school. It would be the first one, the only one uh, in our country. And so we're, we're working behind them, which is, means it's gone a little bit slower. And of course, this coronavirus thing has really you know, throwing some curveballs into that plan. But Lord willing, uh, in October next year, uh, when we're there, Leah will be able to start using her nursing skills there to teach and to train. So it's not just her doing it, but it's local health workers, uh, well-equipped, uh, knowing their trade, knowing how to provide the best health care they can, and knowing how to share their faith in that content, uh, in that context. Well, this morning, the theme of Missions Conference is unfinished. And it's interesting because I, I don't actually get to pick that theme. That's picked by the national office. And when I first heard the theme was going to be unfinished, I, it threw me for a little bit of a loop because, you know, it's not the easiest theme to talk about. We like completed stories. We like the package all neatly tied up with a bow. It's done. And, you know, as I was thinking, like, Telling about the unfinished, that's, that's hard. What, what am I going to say? But as I, I was reflecting on that theme, I came to realize this is the perfect theme as we talk about missions. Because well, first what I realized is missions is essentially always going to be, as long as it exists, an unfinished task. Right? We have the mission, get the gospel out there to the ends of the earth, but someday that mission is going to come to an end and their missions will be no more. And what's interesting is when that happens, we will actually be at a very different stage of world history. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew 24, 14. His disciples are asking him, like, when is the end of the age going to come? He's just been telling them about it. And they, of course, want to know, like, like, when? And he tells them a lot of things, but he doesn't, he doesn't spell it out very clearly um, exactly when, you know, like you can set your watch by it. But he does tell them this in Matthew 24, 14. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Do you see what Jesus is doing there? He's tying, getting the gospel out to every tribe and tongue and nation with the end. Missions is not just some little side project for people that happen to be interested in it. Missions is what is driving this stage of history to its completion. And that's why I say when missions is done, we're going to be in a very different time. And until that time, missions will always be unfinished. And what I also realized about this aspect of missions being unfinished is it points to 
this realm of possibility, this place where God is at work and God is doing something, and it's like a story. You know, when we, when we read a story or we hear a story and we're in the middle of that story, and we don't know where it's gonna go, right? And we know a lot of, most stories have a happy ending. And of course, the story of the gospel, the story of creation has a very happy ending. But when you're in the middle, you don't know exactly how we're gonna get there yet, right? Like, boy, things look bad. Is the antagonist, and, and he's got his schemes, is he gonna succeed? What the, what's the protagonist gonna do? How is he gonna get out of this? And you feel on that knife's edge in a way, and you feel like the story could go any place, and it calls you to attention, and it calls you to participation and investment in the story that God is telling. And so, yeah, unfinished, it's the perfect theme as we think about missions and talk about missions, uh, because I believe God is calling us to enter into the middle of that story where we don't know how everything is gonna work out, where we're called to take risks and make sacrifices to see the good outcome of the story. Now, of course, as I said, the country we work in is um, 92% Muslim, uh, so there is a lot that's unfinished uh, in our work, and I wanna just tell one story uh, about the unfinished work where we are, and that's the story of Dr. Usman So. Uh, you'll have a picture of him up there. He's the man on the left. Uh, like I said, because of security reasons, I've blurred out the other faces in that image, but you can see Dr. So there. And he has an amazing testimony. So uh, back in the day, he, he grew up in our country, up in the north where it's dry, dusty, undeveloped. Uh, and like everyone else, pretty much, he grew up in a probably 100% Muslim community and neighborhood, grew up as a Muslim but he wanted a better life. And we've only started hearing about this recently, but it's been happening forever, um, for, for generations now. He made the trip across the Sahara Desert to get up into North Africa. And, you know, to, to, to get a better life, to get ahead, to get out, maybe eventually to get up to Europe. But what's interesting, when he got up to North Africa, he began to question some things. Especially, he began to question the faith that he had grown up with. Because you see, Islam, it, it talks a lot about the brotherhood of all mankind. It talks about the equality of all people before God. And in our country, you know, Islam came across the Sahara Desert. And so people look to North Africa as the example. That's where the more pure version of the faith is. And, you know, he went up there to go find that. And what he found is he was not treated as a brother. He was not welcomed there as an equal, and he experienced a lot of prejudice, and it began to cause him to reevaluate his own faith. And he even told me, I kind of had to laugh about this because he's a, he's a, was a pretty straight-laced guy, uh, but at one point he was into this Rasta phase where he had dreads and, and you know, dressed as a Rastafarian, was into this sort of like Pan-Africanism, we've got to get back to the, you know, the old African gods, and that sort of a thing. Uh, but he also began to look into Christianity. And that was because a man had gone from North America and intentionally got a job in a state-run university in, in North Africa where they needed professionals to teach. It was, I don't remember the subject exactly, it was science of some sort. 
Um, he was a believer and he went there to use his gifts to teach in this state-run university under a dictator uh, in North Africa. And by that time, Dr. So had gotten accepted into the university in that country. And God brought these men together. And you know there were a lot of steps along the way, but to make a long story short, one night as Dr. So watched uh, the Jesus film in this man's living room, he gave his life to follow Christ. And it wasn't just a, oh, I wanna get salvation so that when I die, I know I'll go to heaven. Uh, when he accepted Christ, he took discipleship seriously. And we know this because shortly after he started following Jesus, he came in contact with a group of people who had been praying for his people in his home country, in the country that we work in. They'd been praying for them for years, pouring out their heart to God for this people group, for Dr. So's people group. And when he encountered this movement and these people, his heart was so touched. And, and you have to understand, Dr. So, he was an intelligent, dynamic guy. He could have done anything. He easily could have gotten up to Europe. He could have gone to North America. He probably could have written a book about his conversion from Islam to Christianity and sold a bunch of copies. But instead of doing any of that, when he heard about people praying for his people, he went back across the Sahara Desert to the country that we work in. And he moved up up into the north, again, undeveloped, dry place on the edge of the Sahara Desert, and he started a clinic uh, to reach his own people with the gospel. And he was an amazing man. As a doctor, he had the ability to interact with other medical people. He, he could interact with government officials. Uh, he would often interact with imams, uh, religious leaders in our context. And everyone he met, he just shared the gospel. And for so many people, he was the first person of his ethnic group that they ever met that was a believer in Christ. And he was not ashamed and he was confident in sharing about his relationship with Christ and what that meant. And many people consider Dr. So to be sort of the apostle to his people group. Um, but of course, if you've been listening to this, uh, you may notice that I've been using Dr. So was in the past tense. And that's because about a year ago, September 2019, one night, uh, I got a call from my co-team leader. Uh, it was late at night and you know, picked up the phone and he says, hey, I've got some bad news for you. Um, I just got a call and I just found out that Dr. So uh, was out running after doing shift at his clinic that day uh, in his town. He was out running and apparently he suffered a catastrophic heart attack. Um, and he went to be with the Lord Jesus right there on the streets of this town that he gave his life to serve. And his death was, uh, it was a huge blow. Uh, it was a huge blow to us and to our team. I mean, he was a key partner in, in what we were doing. Uh, it was a blow to this network of uh, disciples from his people group of, of believers and pastors and leaders and evangelists, the men actually pictured in this picture. Um, and it was a blow to the staff of his clinic. Uh, people had moved up there because they believed in his vision. They believed in what he was doing to reach his people group. And we still don't understand, like, why did God take Dr. So when he did? 
uh, it doesn't seem to make sense to us. And this next picture uh, was actually the day that we were doing Dr. So's funeral. And as we were laying him in the ground, uh, there, it's so interesting because if you know this area, I mean, we get a two-month rainy season, so most of the year this area is just a, a patch of dry, dusty, sandy ground with nothing living. Um, but the day we laid him in there, it was during the, towards the end of rainy season, and here was all this grass uh, sprouted up with, with seed heads on it, and I just couldn't help think of this verse in John 12, 24. I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And I thought about it and it was so ironic because Dr. So was a man who produced many seeds. Many people had come to faith. The people that were there gathered in that group were there because he had touched them and many of them had put their faith in Jesus because of him. Now, of course, as I said, this was a huge blow. And as Dr. So planted seeds and some of those seeds had come up, have come up, we're still, the story is unfinished now and we're, we're asking as a team, who will rise up to take Dr. So's place? It, it's interesting, God seems to have brought our team into the picture at just the right time. And it's so amazing because we had just the right people with just the right gifts on our team in medicine, uh, in evangelism, with language, and, and in the same network of relationships to help hold this work that Dr. So was doing. But we firmly believe as a team that, that we just want to hold it. We don't want to take over this vision because this vision started with a national uh, man from our country and we long to see this taken up by other believers uh, in this country and remain truly a local national initiative, not seen as something coming from outside. But so now our team is holding this for a little while and God has provided uh, in many ways. He's provided a young man, uh, almost like a Daniel type young man, the only believer from his family, um, got scholarships, did very well through school uh, in university, took the national service exam, which you have to take to go into the government, uh, and was either first or second in his class. I don't remember. Uh, but just so amazing that, that God raised up this young man uh, with administrative gifts at just the right time. He's helping us on administration. We found a doctor, not uh, someone from our country, but a Haitian man, it's really interesting when Haiti had their earthquakes and disasters there, our country actually took some of their medical students and brought them to our country to complete their training. Um, and the young man that we have uh, actually wanted to stay and pay back some of what he received. And I mean, we just didn't even know where are we going to find a believing doctor who's willing to go up there. And God provided this man. Um, we're still in many ways looking for someone to do the, the role of a spiritual father and a spiritual leader in that community because Dr. So was administrator, doctor, and spiritual leader all together. Um, but we're still looking and praying for that right person. But as I said, in many ways, this work, it feels like it's on the knife's edge. If one thing goes wrong with the government papers, if we lose some of the staff and some of the people that are committed to this thing, it could so easily fall off on either way in Dr. So's vision to reach his people with the gospel could so easily fall 
Um, but that's where we find ourselves in the middle of the story and we are seeking God. What is he gonna do? How is he gonna come in and carry this work forward to reach these unreached people? Now, I do also this morning wanna look at scripture because the story, it might seem a little hard. It might seem a little discouraging to be yeah, in that middle of where is this going? But I don't think this kind of situation would be a surprise to the authors of scripture at all. I wanna first look at Philippians chapter one, verses four and six. And we have to remember, Paul isn't writing this from his comfy living room armchair. Paul is writing to the Philippians in prison. He's gonna go on trial for his life uh, because of his testimony, because of the work that he's been doing. And not only that, he's, the, the Philippians have, have blessed him because in those days when you were in prison, you didn't get three square meals a, a day. If people didn't provide those uh, for you from outside, you could likely starve to death before you ever made it to your trial. Um, so the Philippians, he's, he's, he's joyful because they've supplied his need. They've sent a gift to provide for him, but they've also got their own problems. Later on in the book, he's gonna address the fact that there's people in conflict within the church and he's gonna beg them to be reconciled to each other. But in that context, in this unfinished, uncomfortable context, he writes this. He says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I want you to see two things in there. First, their partnership with him in the gospel. Paul is the worker to the least reached, the one going out to the regions where Christ has not yet been proclaimed and reaching those out on the edges uh, of the of where the gospel has, has been so far. And so the Philippians are supporting Paul's work to the unfinished work overseas. And then what's interesting as well, it's not just that they're done and they're helping him with this unfinished work. He also says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Philippians themselves are not a finished product. God is still doing something in and through them in, individually, as a body, and in their community. He's bringing to completion also what's happening there among the Philippians. So you've got two unfinished things coming together. And we see the same thing in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. And again, Paul, this isn't written out of a nice, easy, pretty circumstances in 2 Corinthians. Paul is having to defend his ministry, having to defend his, his right to speak authoritatively into the Corinthians' lives because people have come along and they've said, no, that Paul guy, he's not a good guy. His motives are bad. His message is bad. Don't listen to him. And so Paul's having to defend his ministry and his message to the Corinthians. And in that context, we get this really interesting verse, uh, verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. As he's defending himself, he says this, our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. And if you see it again, it's the exact same thing we saw in Philippians. He's talking to the Corinthians, your faith continues to grow. 
God is not finished with you in the work that he's doing. Corinthians, uh, you're also unfinished, but you're also in partnership with Paul so that he can preach the gospel in the regions beyond. Do you see that? They're supporting him. He wants to work with them to go into the unfinished work of preaching the gospel in the regions beyond. And again, God brings the unfinished Corinthians together with this unfinished work that he's doing among the unreached and does them together. And I firmly believe that God is inviting the U.S. Alliance family into that unfinished space that sacred space, that realm of possibility where he's doing new things, he's bringing redemption and healing and he's weaving your church's unfinished story together with the unfinished story of those who have never yet even heard his name. Um, And he's bringing them together to complete them together. So Appleton Alliance There's so many other stories of the unfinished. I wish I had time to tell you this morning that that we see God doing in our country uh, amazing things. But basically this morning, I wanna ask you, are you ready to lean into the unfinished with God as a church? Are you ready to go into that? You know, as we saw in the very beginning, into that task that God is doing that all history hangs upon. Missions, again, is not just this this side project of the church. It's the thing that's moving history forward. And amazingly, God invites us to participate with him in that. Are you ready to get involved in that? There's no just ordinary time where we're just sitting around twiddling our thumbs waiting for the next thing. God has declared his mission. He's declared his purpose. And he invites us into that to make a difference. Not just a temporal difference. You know, we had a nice project, but to make an eternal, everlasting impact on the kingdom of God and on the nations of this earth. And I hope you've also seen that diving into the unfinished, it doesn't mean neglecting what God is doing among you. And that's what I love about you, Appleton Alliance Church. I can't in many ways think of a better church to be involved in missions with because you are committed to making it happen in the Fox Valley. You are, you're, you're doing, you're getting it done there. Uh, you're also growing as a church. You're, you're, you're connecting with God and one another. Um, but you're also participating in that unfinished work that God is doing overseas in places like Peru and France and Burkina Faso. And you're participating in what God is doing among the unreached here in the U.S. with Missionary Pete. Um, God brings those together. And so don't feel like, you know, oh, I've got I've to get everything all sorted out here. I've got to be perfect. And then God's going to call me into working over there. No. God brings these two unfinished stories together. And sometimes when we look at them, you know, we see the loose ends. But someday God's going to flip that tapestry over. And we're going to see just what God was doing, how he was weaving our story and our work together with what he's doing overseas to make one beautiful, redemptive story in the history of the world. 
So this morning, Appleton Alliance, as I said, I just want to encourage you, and maybe I know many of you already are involved in some ways, but I want to speak especially to you who've who've watched the missions program, who've seen the nice videos, maybe you've heard some testimonies. Will you also join God in what he's doing in the unfinished work overseas? And that could mean a lot of different things. That could mean, you know, just participating financially, giving to the missions program of the church, which is making such a huge impact in the lives of so many. I don't know if many of you know this, but you gave $5,000 to help my team deal with the coronavirus outbreak in our country. Um, And that money got put to work in in a network of of regional health centers around the world. 25 25 clinics in seven seven different regions within our country. So I just want to thank you for that. Um, It might mean diving into the unfinished. It might mean going. It might mean participating in a short-term trip. It might mean going down to see what missionary Pete is doing. Why should we let him have all the fun of, of seeing what God is doing down there? You can participate in that or in so much of the other work that your church is doing in places like Peru or Burkina or France. And I just want to encourage you to lean into that. And it can also mean participating uh, in prayer. Uh, honestly, when I think about Dr. So's story, I don't know that he ever would have come back and had the impact that he had on our country if people hadn't been pouring out their hearts to God for his people group for years before he even came to faith. So would you join, would you push into the unfinished in prayer in some mysterious way? I don't even understand it all the time. But God works when his people pour out their hearts to him and ask him to work among the unreached. And it might also mean for some of you going full, ter- full time. God needs people who will go learn the language, learn the culture, uh, learn how to share the gospel in a different context and what it means. So will you, Appleton Alliance, launch out into that sacred, unfinished space where God is working and weaving your story together, allow him to weave your story together with the story of what he's doing among the unreached. Thank you. God bless.